Welcome to Deep Broadway, where you get the luxury of listening to your favorites on Broadway wherever you are. With Eli and Ashley. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at ZBroadway and check out our site at zbroadway.com for updates and new episodes. Now please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of ZPodway. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we're here with the beloved Julie Banco, who is currently the standby for Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl on Broadway, the first revival. So Julie, how are you today? Hi, um, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? We're great. So excited to finally be talking to you. I mean, you've been in so many different popular shows like Fiddler and Spring Awakening and Les Mis. Like what was, you know, when did you first start wanting to perform? Mm-hmm. Um, I always loved going to see shows and stuff, but it was around uh, heading into high school. I did uh, at Fairfield Teen Theater. They, did, they were doing Les Mis student edition. And I was in the ensemble. I was like one of the women in turning. I was, I was like turning, turning, turning through the years. <laughs> I just had the best time. And um, then I started auditioning for a local community theater and got the bug and just did all the shows in high school and um, decided, I think around sophomore, junior year, I was like, oh, I, this is what I want to do. And um, I'd never really thought about it as a possibility, except that I had this teacher director who um, directed me in this production of Fiddler on the Roof at the JCC when I was a freshman. And uh, she kind of was like, no, you can do this if you, if this is something you want. And so I started, I was like, really? So I ended up deciding to apply for college for it and, and got in. I, you know, I, I remember senior year of high school, like I was in AP bio and my teacher was like, I, I loved it. Like we, we went and saw open heart surgery live and I was like, this is amazing. You know, I was, it was amazing. And, um, my teacher was like, you should be a doctor. And I was like, Oh, too late. Like if you'd gotten to me, like two years early, I could have, I should have been, Oh, hi monkey. It's my cat. <laughs> hi. <laughs> He's hanging out by the window because we, uh, well, cause cats do that. And also because we have a little squirrel feeder out there with peanuts uh, in it and the squirrels come climb up on the fire escape and he, he goes crazy. So they're a special guest. <laughs> yeah. Special um, appearance. Are, I, did, did you grow up around? So I live in Wilton. Um, did, yeah. I, I grew up in Fairfields and our moms met right at a, at, right. At, yeah. <laughs> um, she, That's she, how this says, happened. she says, thank you for, uh, for joining her in the lobby when she saw the show. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet, but um so, so you're in wilton i'm in wilton yeah and ashley you are in i'm in california because <laughs> you said pacific time and i was like yes. pacific time. <laughs> yeah no i always need to clarify it just in case because sometimes you know missed communication but yeah i'm in california but i'm actually going to um be on the east coast for about a month because i'm doing the nyu tish summer high school program oh my gosh <laughs> i i mean i went to nyu undergrad and then I went back to for NYU grad so I've spent many years at Tisch have a great time I yeah you'll be at 721 Broadway right downtown I have a have a have a great time yeah we'll have to talk about it let me know if you have questions yeah and I want to see funny girl of course because I have not had the chance yet <laughs> oh yeah yeah you'll have to come yes <laughs> um on the topic of funny girl uh can you talk about your audition process for it what was um what was that like um 
I got an audition. It was, it was, I think it was November uh, of last year. So November of 21 um, to do a self tape. You know, they had already announced that Beanie was coming in the show maybe the summer before. And I had sent an email to my agent saying, you know, if, to be her understudy, I'd love to be considered. And they, they saw a lot of people and, and I could, they didn't get an audition. Um, but then I think they went through a lot of rounds of people. And finally I got the self-tape audition and I did um, half of Greatest Star and, uh, and I sang People. And then I had to do a scene and I sent it in. I didn't, didn't hear anything for a few weeks. Then I heard you have a callback. Then, and I, the callback was after, I remember it was like, they told me it was before Thanksgiving, but they were like, the callback was after Thanksgiving. So I went home and I was like, I can't tell my family that I got this callback because they'll just get too excited about it. Um, I told my sister who I'm very close with and who helps me prepare auditions sometimes, <laughs> but my, my, and he was like, I can't tell my mother or father. Um, and then I, you know, I went back, I did the audition after Thanksgiving and then a few weeks went by and then I heard that I, so I just did one callback in person and the one self tape. And, uh, and, and then I got the part and my agent called and I was like, are you kidding? Like, I really didn't believe him at all. And, um, and then when I called my parents to tell them that, I mean, they were so excited, but they had figured it out because my sister was, I said, how did you know? You know, but my sister had been staying at my parents' house for like a little bit. And she was, she was reading the lines with me on FaceTime before my uh, callback and my parents could hear it through the door. Oh my gosh. Like, She's auditioning for Funny Girl. Like they knew. <laughs> how, how long was the wait time between um, the, the callback and the call? It was the, between the callback and the call. I think I, I, the actual, the callback was on Monday and I think I found out on Thursday, but it was all like, they were like, they're going to send you an offer, but then the actual offer didn't come for a while. So I didn't want to tell anybody until I saw it in black and white. It was like my agent got a call that an email was coming. So it took a few weeks for things to actually feel more official. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just afraid to tell anybody, you know, until yeah. I saw it in black and white. So I was like, what if it's not real? What if I made that up in my head? <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Um, I mean, what is your favorite part of the show, there are so many exciting parts, so many exciting songs and memorable moments. How can you yeah. choose? I don't know, but we're going to ask you anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. Whenever anybody asks me this question, I have no answer. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 there's just too much to choose from, I think is the, is the thing. I mean, there's just, it's so, it's so cool as an actor. You so rarely have a role that allows you to explore so many different colors and textures, uh, you know, and, and, and emotions and, and, and vocally and in your acting and, and ages. And like, you just, there's so, it's so yeah. rare that you're able to explore such a wide range and funny and serious and vulnerable and angry. And like, there's just so many things going on that it's hard to pick, but I mean, I think, you know, there's very little that feels quite so good as, don't rain on my parade or the don't rain on my parade reprise where you've been like crying. And then you're like, <laughs> then you're, you're like at the bottom, you know, of your emotional well, and you're just like scraping out of it, tears streaming down your face. And then you find the strength, you know, hook into the strength. And then you, you know, you end the show. Like there's no greater feeling than I think the end of the show when you're like, <laughs> I guess I'm answering my question where you're going, 
I did it. Like I look back, you have this moment where you're, you're singing, singing like who is the pip with pizzazz, you know, and you're like, think, you're thinking back to greatest star and you're re reflecting on the whole journey and you're just beaten down and so sad and you've lost your husband and the whole dream of the future that you had, but then you managed to find a way to hook into strength and self-love and, 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 and forgiveness and hope and, and grit. And so I think the end of the whole thing, you know, you're just, you can't believe you did it. You're so grateful you got through it, but also you, you end on this note of like, very determined and and grateful and and proud and so i think it's just to finish a show with a character on that note like you can't sort of finish you can't walk out of that moment feeling down yeah it's just like a big feeling of accomplishment like you overcame something so giant and huge like the show itself it's just it's such a like a giant show that has so much stuff in it and i don't know that journey is just so long but at the end I'm sure it's so rewarding for you yeah and you feel what's fun with the comedy too is you really feel the audience you know the whole way through you know I think when I do when I did like Les Mis for example you know the audience it's sort of you know where they're going to clap mm -hmm. there are long stretches where they don't you know they might laugh and master the house or a little joke here or there but it's not the reactions of the audience don't feel quite as crucial, you know, whereas in Funny Girl, you you can tell how they're enjoying things pretty mm -hmm. clearly. It's a very live feeling between the performer and the audience. And, you know, even from the get-go, I think there, there were a few times in, you know, I stepped out on stage and you know, it was when Beanie was out with COVID and people were not expecting, you know, they hadn't bought tickets expecting me and I you know the light shone up on my face and normally there's entrance applause and there was no entrance applause and you go okay well maybe they're asleep <laughs> and then but then Jane Lynch comes out and says her line and she gets hooting and hollering you're like nope they're not asleep and but you just go okay you know but they don't know me they don't know me from Adam and they don't know what to expect and so then but then you have greatest star and then you get to to they get to feel like they're on this journey with this unknown person in greatest star and they get they're like by the end of it it's like they're on your side and then they're with you the rest of the the way and so then by the time you're hitting you know the big sort of famous numbers where people are applauding in the middle of the <laughs> middle, middle of the song or whatever at the key changes it's it feels like they're your 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 good old pals and you've been on this road together you know it's very very, very alive that connection yeah, and when I see the show, I will be the one giving you the entrance applause and every other thing. I will be the loudest one there. <laughs> Thank you. I will say that only happened like two times. It, it, I, <laughs> but they were, they felt, you know, you're like, oh no, they, you know, but then, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. It just takes five, five or 10 minutes for them to, to start to feel like they know you, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I'm, being a standby, you're not in the show normally. Um, so what do you do backstage? Do you even need to go to the theater or how does- what? Do. I have to be there the whole show basically. So I'm allowed to leave right at the last scene. Um, I have to get there half, you know, half hour is when all the actors have to sign in. So I'm mm -hmm. usually there, you know, at least 45 minutes before the show. And uh, you know, it's a three hour show almost. So it's like, I'm there. Um, 
I get a lot done, you know? <laughs> I mean, in the beginning, all of the swings and the standbys, we would, we, we all share a, a dressing room. Mm. Uh, and so we, in the beginning, we before, you know, none of us had gone on and you get very little rehearsal, you know, as, uh, as a standby and a swing when you're, when the show is already open or sorry, when it's just opening, not when it's already open. So we would all like run the thing together, you know, and we have a little monitor so we can watch what's going on on stage. We can hear what's going on on stage over the intercom. So we would do it sort of in real time in our tiny little space. I mean, there's no mm -hmm. real space to do full choreography or anything, but um, we would sort of mark it and do it together. And then, you know, after one by one, everybody went on, they went on a bunch of times, people started to get more comfortable. So we, people stopped doing that. Um, I sometimes still do that sort of by myself. The music director is he, the conductor has a dressing room to himself, but he doesn't need it when he's conducting. So mm -hmm. I go in there sometimes and I'll run through the show along with the monitor. Um, sometimes I just hang out with the swings. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I'm getting work done or I, you know, I'm trying to learn other music for other, other projects I'm working on or you know, trying to just read or, you know, you're do you know, there's never any shortage of stuff to do in life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, just thinking about preparing for such a challenging role, like what do you do before you go on? I mean, I know you had that week where you got to do, you know, a full week of performances, but when you have like those little, just like surprise, I'm on, like, how do you just prepare? Cause I know for me, even if I just have like one performance of one song I'm doing, it takes over your like entire day. <laughs> yeah, it's very challenging um, to, to sort of always be on call, but never know if you'll be needed. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I have to sort of treat it like I'm, I have to treat my body like I'm always, like I'm going to perform, mm -hmm. even though I'm not necessarily. So that affects, you know, my diet and my exercise routine and like everything that is like, how do I, I need to, like, to stay warm. I, I, do my vocal warm up every day. I am, I don't eat generally. I try to avoid things that affect my, that create, you know, acid reflux and stuff. Yeah. Like I, you know, stuff like that where um, I just, I sort of act like, you know, and then on Sunday night when I know there's not a show tomorrow assuming I don't have a concert or something else that I'm doing, then I let myself have a, you know, a drink, you know, <laughs> to relax. I know, okay, that my, my voice won't be, I don't need it tomorrow. I have, you know, but I sort of have to have her act like I am going to be going on and uh, then just don't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, can you talk about your Fanny debut? I mean, that must have been a very exciting night. <laughs> it was. I I feel a little bit like I blacked out. Like, <laughs> I, um, yeah. I, it was a very stressful week because I, I knew that I had that weekend coming up, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, for months and I had very little rehearsal and, um, but I had worked so much on my own time and um, trying to prepare. And I felt as prepared as I could be considering I hadn't really ever, I'd never done it with the other actors. You know, I'd done it with other understudies. I'd never done it with the people I was going to do it with. I'd never had a, put in on the stage I'd never you know with the full tech and the costumes you know there's just only so much you can be prepared for um without having done it you know you just yeah. have to do it and then of course the audience um 
And then I, I did actually, it was just crazy because like Wednesday I did have a little rehearsal, but then I, I injured my rotator cuff and Mm -hmm. I woke up on Thursday. I was supposed to have my put in on Thursday and, um, I couldn't, you know, well, first of all, I got a call being like, Ramin has COVID. And so this put in is no longer for you. We're going to do you give it to the, the mail stand by Jeremiah because he's going on for Nick tonight with Beanie. Uh, and we're moving your put into tomorrow, mm-hmm. Friday, and Friday will be your debut. So I, I was like, cool, cool. Also, I can't move my arm. Um, and so <laughs> I was, you know, they, they, I was at the doctor on Thursday during Jeremiah's put in, getting a cortisone shot in my arm. Oh my and um, and then Friday, I woke up and I could, I had most mo- of my mobility back, you know, 80, 90%. And I did my put in rehearsal that Friday first time in any of my costumes, you know, uh, first time under the lights. And then um, Friday night, I did the show. So I basically did the show full out twice on Friday. <laughs> also first time with the orchestra, because when I put in, you only get a piano. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, two shows Saturday, one show Sunday. And I, I feel like that whole weekend was just, I, w- I entered like a, a different state of being, <laughs> you know, of, of yeah. just focus, you know, it was just intense focus right. and it was a huge, I mean, just, it, it felt like a huge, uh, exciting moment because you, you know, I, it, everything I'd been preparing for, not just for the prior five months, but for like my whole career. Yeah. <laughs> so it felt, it was amazing, but I think it took, you know, until sort of even a it almost took like a full week for me to recover because <laughs> in that moment, like I just was on, on, there was just so many stress hormones just flooding my system. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't, I was, I was like, not I had trouble eating. Like I just would look at food and I'd be like, I can't, you know, <laughs> I just, I was just nauseous all the time, you know, cause I was just like, I just, I was just so high, high stress, you know, um, but managed to keep it, you know, very focused on getting the job done and mm-hmm. enjoy it but I think you know since then I feel like my I've had the chance to go on I've gone on a little 20 21 times wow. and so now when I think about you know where I evolved you know I've had now I feel just so much more comfortable and you know yeah. you, you know what to expect a little more and and you you know what you know the audience will surprise you everybody's every audience is different but you know it's a little bit more of a you just can relax and explore and play and create and and find your own versions of things whereas the first weekend you're also you're trying to just you're trying to get through it as best you can you know yeah and then i'm talking about since you've done so many of these giant shows that pretty much everybody knows like fiddler or les mis or even like spring awakening can you talk about like your broadway debut or like i guess your professional debut because spring awakening i'm like a newer fan of the show and so just like what is that like knowing you know all these big shows are so well known yeah, being part of Spring Awakening, you know, that was my first job. I mean, I was 19 and it had this tremendous following and it was crazy because it was before Instagram and, and social media sort of as we know it, but it had this following of people called the Guilty Ones and they had message boards that they would, you know, talk about us all on. And it, it was like the first time I was before, you know, now it's different with, you know, TikTok yeah. and everything. Um, but that was the first time I ever experienced any sort of being a part of something that was that 
that big and, and had a following in that way. Um, and, you know, I think that was very much a coming of age for a lot of us. We really uh, learned so much uh, mm -hmm. being a part of that show. And then my Broadway debut came, I guess it was like six years later and, and uh, I was on Les Mis and I had done Les Mis, I'd done the tour for years and I had, um, I had been, you know, I'd been in and out of the show. I'd done it regionally. I'd done Les Mis a bunch and then it came to Broadway and, and I wasn't cast, but then there was, there was an injury in the previews and they called me and they were like, can you be at the theater tomorrow? You know? <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay, you know? Yeah. And, um, so it was a shock, you know, it wasn't like, uh, I, I had time to, you know, it was just, I showed up, they gave me about 40 minutes of rehearsal and the next day I was in, you know, I was in the show and, uh, it was an interesting experience because I think, you know, you build up this idea of, I want to be on Broadway. I, I, Broadway is the goal, blah, blah, blah. You know, you hold it on this, yeah. on this pedestal for your life, your whole life. And then, and then I, and I was standing in the wings and I heard, you know, Bum, 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 you know, the opening of Les Mis. And I started I, I crying, you know, I just started crying. I was standing next to Kayala Settle and she just like started like hugging me and she was like, you know, comforting me. And I, and I was so, I was just like, I can't believe it's finally happening, you know? And I just, just so overwhelmed. And, and then I stepped out on stage and I looked at, you know, my costume, which was basically the exact same costume I'd been wearing for you know, years, because it was the same production that had been on tour. And the set was the exact same set I'd been on tour with. And I looked around, and I knew a bunch of the people from having been on tour. And um, I was like, and I looked out in the audience and I went, oh, it's just theater. Like, it's just the same as the theater that you do anywhere. It's just yeah. like, got this name Broadway on it and it has more money attached to it, you know, in, in, in terms of its marketing and some of the production values, but I, that was my experience was like, I can't believe my Broadway debut was happening. And then I got out there and I was like, oh, it's, oh, it's just theater. I, <laughs> it's not different, you know? And so I, I always say that, that like, it really doesn't, it's nice to be on Broadway, you know, and it feels like a nice career, um, career marker, but uh, it's not, you know, now, now that I've worked a bunch on Broadway, off Broadway and regionally, I go like some of my most fulfilling theatrical experiences have actually been regional theaters and, and things that where there's not as much um, money and attention involved, which actually means that you can take more risks, you know, theatrically speaking in terms of like what the content is and, and, and uh, the kinds of theater that you make, it sort of allows for a little bit more of an exciting theatrical experience in some ways. Did you stay in the, in the show after that performance on Broadway or did you go back to the tour? Uh, so the tour was not on tour anymore. It had oh, moved okay. to Broadway. Um, and then, so I was what's called a vacation swing. So I was in, you know, I, I think I covered that leave for like eight weeks and then I was gone, but then somebody else had an injury and then somebody else had a vacation. Mm -hmm. And so then I was sort of in and out of Les Mis for about a year. Um, and then Fiddler uh, happened and I got cast in Fiddler. So then I was there full time and, um, didn't, you know, they had uh, somebody else learn a bunch of, so I, I ended up doing a bunch of different tracks in the Les Mis, uh, Broadway production before I moved over to Fiddler. And that was my last Les Mis. Mm -hmm. For now. <laughs> we don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Now I'm, I'm maybe oh, one day I'll, I'll get to play Madame Tenardi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and can you talk about like your training, getting to, you know, 
go to NYU for so long? And, you know, do you have any advice for me? I'm only going to be there for a month, but, you know, prospectively, it could be where I want to go to college and pursue, you know, kind of what you're doing, I guess. You know, see how you like it. See how, you know, I think, I think living in the city at 18 years old, or in, in your case, even younger <laughs> for the summer, it's, um, it's, it's a lot. And I, I'm glad that I was in the city. I like, I like New York city. I've now been here a long time and I wouldn't want to live anywhere else, but, um, you know, and, and when, well, that's a positive of being in New York city is that you're, you build your life here with the support of, you know, an institution. So you make your friends there and then they have survival jobs. And so then when you need a job being a wait, waiter or whatever it is, like you've got sort of connections here, you have a, your world set up. You don't have to move to New York after you graduate and then find it all. You know, yeah. you have a community, you have a infrastructure here to support you. Um, and so that's really a useful thing if you, but you can do that also at any school in New York. Um, I think for me, you know, my graduate training was, has, I mean, it's also more recent for me, but <laughs> I found that my graduate training was transformative. I mean, it was, it was, in, you're there in grad school for acting. It's like three years, 80 hours a week. You are with a group of, you know, 16 people were in my class. It's, mm -hmm. it's a, you have a huge faculty, you know, so comparatively. So you have this really small student to faculty ratio, a lot of individual attention. Um, you know, I think for me, that was really, it changed. It taught me so much about discipline and patience um, and ways of, and, and learning about the craft and learning about ways that I work and don't work and being exposed to a lot of different things. Um, and a lot of that, I'm actually still discovering, like, what am I still using? What am I not using? And mm -hmm. I feel like I use every ounce of my training from my graduate program in, in Funny Girl. I mean, I think it's, it's completely necessary. It's a, yeah. uh, when it comes to the voice and speech work, the comic timing, the melody of it is all in the melody of how you, um, the, what you work on in voice and speech, you need the dialect work, the, um, the text work, the through song work. I mean, there's just the, the physical work, there's clowning class, right. And funny girl, there's two big clown numbers and she's clowning right. a lot in the scene, in the book scenes, scene study, right. Like these things are, I feel like I, I, um, I draw on my training from my grad program in, I mean, every minute that I'm mm. up. And then when, when you were in, um, what studio were you in? Like, um, just undergrad. So I went to cap 21, which is now longer. It's now not part of NYU. Oh, okay. It's like, now it's part of Malloy. Um, it became basically what the new studio on Broadway is. Okay. Cause that's at, the one I'm, that's the one yes. I'm doing. Yeah. And I think, and then I, but then after two years, you know, you do your primary training and then you can stay in your studio, depending on the studio. And then you can bounce around and you could go to, you know, um, I, you could go to the Stella Adler studio or the Meisner or the Strasberg or whatever. And so I, I went and did Shakespeare. They have a place called the classical studio for the first part of my advanced training. And then I went to, um, Stone Street, which is for film and television, acting on mm -hmm. film and television. Um, I think it was really good to bounce around and just be exposed to a lot of different things. That's probably one of the best things about the NYU undergrad program is that you can be exposed to lots of stuff. Um, the downside is that it's just a big program. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, 
I think you get less attention, you know, there. So, I mean, I, if it were, if I had any recommendations, I think apply lots of places Mm -hmm. and see, you know, once you get in, see what you like. And, and, and I would go off of, I mean, there's, everybody's got different um, priorities, Yeah. but I would go off of your feeling of the schools once you've applied and gotten in. I did an early decision for undergrad. And I think um, if I were to do it again, I would have given myself more options. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I got very set on one idea. Yeah. Um, and I understand the appeal of early decision because, you know, you have a higher chance of getting in, they say, and, you know, all that stuff. And you want to go for a reach school and all, you know, and, but it's all very complicated with, you know, and money and yeah. college admissions is just, is just wild. <laughs> uh, I know because my survival job is SAT tutoring. <laughs> so, uh, I deal with this a lot, but, um, you know, I would, I would recommend looking at lots of the programs and, and seeing where you feel most comfortable and, mm-hmm. and seeing make, you know, wherever you go, I would just recommend looking for small, small class sizes, because in act, any acting program, you are going to watch a lot. You're going to sit mm-hmm. and watch your um, fellow actors and you're going to learn a lot from watching. It's not just, it's not like you're just sitting watching and then you, then it's your turn. You learn while you watch, but yeah. You know, I do think it really does matter how much time you are going to get up on your feet and how much time you're going to spend with each teacher developing relationships. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think it, every studio at NYU is also different. Yeah. Some studios are bigger than others. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would just, I just, I would say just keep your options open. I will. And, yeah. We're and see both- how you like it this summer. You'll, you'll learn a lot from the yeah. summer. Yeah, we're both rising seniors, um, so we're both getting into the whole college stuff. So that's stressful, but (laughs) it's happening. So it's a stressful time. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I'll I'll switch the topic here. Um, I want to ask you um, about um, and Funny Girl, what it means to be a Jewish woman on stage. Um, As a Jew myself, I feel like there isn't think much of quote-unquote Jewish theater besides maybe something like Fiddler on the Roof or even Funny Girl um there's a new play coming to Broadway um it's called Leopoldstadt yeah um very excited for that we're um getting a whole bunch of our family and friends uh we're all gonna get tickets to see that um so what does it mean to uh get to perform as Penny and embrace that I mean I think it's just I, I, it, it was, it's very, you know, the first thing I said, my mom said when I told her that I got the role was, you know, if your grandma were still alive, she would be so proud. You know, I think there's something about in your family, you know, that you are getting to represent this, your, your people, you know, mm-hmm. is really, is really meaningful. And I think it's tough with the role like Fanny, who, you know, was a real Jewish woman and, and made a living as a, as a comic um, using Jewish stereotypes for her comedy, right? It's not, it's her Jewish, there are, there are Jewish roles where the character sort of happens to be Jewish, but there's so much other stuff that is, that's, the sto- that's not what the story is about, right? But like Fanny, the story is about a Jewish woman using her Jewish identity in her Jewish comedy. 
<laughs> and and so I think you know it's you want somebody who is authentic like in that tradition to to represent that I think there you know it's very it's a very nuanced conversation with identity and and you know who gets to play what roles and I think you know and I think about for example like the Yiddish Fiddler on the Roof that happened mm-hmm. a couple of years ago which was a really yeah. awesome production and had a lot of Jewish actors involved a lot of Jewish people on the team um. I mean, I don't think it's so important if the person, if the, if everybody in that show is Jewish or every, you know, playing Jewish characters, they're learning Yiddish. I mean, right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. that's a, that's a huge exercise in, I think, learning to respect the culture in itself, you know? And so it, it sort of depends on, on the project, but certainly for me, um, it's a really real honor to, to get to have, and I researched the real Fanny and to be a part of this legacy of like her and then Barbara Streisand and Isabel Leonard, who was the book writer, who was a trailblazing woman, Jewish writer from Brooklyn and writing at a time mm-hmm. when there weren't that many women writers, you know, on Broadway and there still aren't that many, right? So it's, it's very cool to be a part of that line. Um, and and uh, I'm very, yeah, I'm really grateful to step into those shoes for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I know some people have actually mentioned how you have a resemblance of the actual Fanny, and I just think that's like very cool. I mean, probably for you just to be like, you know, representing a real person and just, I guess, nailing it. (laughs) I think, you know, it's funny, in pictures, I I never saw it, you know, honestly, uh, without without the wig, I think, you know, somehow the, the wig really helps. I, but once I saw the photos, I was like, wow, I actually do, but I never saw it without the hair. And, and then, I think too, like in real life, like she was tall and I'm not <laughs> tall. So in pictures we look alike, but if you put us next to each other, she would have towered over. <laughs> um, but I will say, I do know her family was, you know, her, her real last name was Borash. Um, she was born Fanny Borash and her family were Hungarian Jews. And Benko is Hungarian last name. That that line of my great grandfather came from Hungary. So it's like totally possible that we're cousins. Um, That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, can, who knows? We can say that it is. We don't need to know the facts. Yeah, we'll just, yeah, we'll, yeah, or we'll, t- we'll write to ancestry.com. We can yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Julie, why should people come see the show? I mean, obviously, for people like me and Eli, there's a lot of reasons for us as theater people, but just in general, why should people come see Funny Girl? Uh, well, I think it's certainly a piece of theater history. You know, this the fact that this show hasn't been seen on Broadway since the 1960s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really, I mean, there are just so many people who have been so excited to come because they say, oh, I, I saw this with Barbara Streisand in 1964 or something, you know, yeah. and, and they haven't seen it since, you know, it's been 60 years basically. And, and so to to be, I think, just come see this show that is a huge part of musical theater history. And I think the cast is wonderful and um, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, and the score is just phenomenal. They just, I mean, they don't write scores like this anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah. people and, and music that makes me dance and, you know, don't rain on my parade. These are not songs that, I mean, they're just, they're iconic and they're just, they're really interesting and complex too. I mean, I think it's, it's, um, it, we live in a different age of writing for musical theater. It sounds 
so different, you know, yeah. and I hear what contemporary musical theater writing, the norm is there's some really great stuff happening too. Um, but you know, the norm is like that's that same old sus two chord bouncing along and you're just like, I, I wish someone could know me, you know, or whatever it is. <laughs> I made that up, but this is like really beautiful sort of jazz meets Broadway lush score. And uh, mm -hmm. you just don't get to hear it. You yeah. just don't get to hear it anywhere else. Um, well, I think we're gonna wrap it up here, but thank you so much for joining us today. It was an honor to have you, honestly. Yeah, happy <laughs> yeah. to. Thanks for Yeah, I hope we can you know, meet in person and say hi at the theater sometime, <laughs> maybe during the summer, that would be cool. Uh, oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Let me know when you're here. Okay. I will. And just, yeah, thank you again for doing this episode with us. And also real quick, can we talk about that microphone that you have right that there? Is cool, yeah. <laughs> yes. This is, I got this, uh, maybe about a year ago. I, I was like, I want to invest in a, in a better microphone, you know? And, uh, cause I do a lot of, I do voiceover stuff and I do a lot of demos, you know, from home. And so I wrote to my recording engineer because so I have this album coming out in August. So the guy oh, yeah, who helped, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so I was like, who, well, you know, what do you recommend? And he did some research and um, this is made by this company called Ear Trumpet Labs. I'm showing you, this is the front. This is the oh. um, and this one's called the Delphine or Delphina. And they're all new mics, but they're made to look like vintage. And um, they're actually, I found out later, they're the same they use them in Hadestown. Oh, oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I was gonna say that. Looks kind of familiar. <laughs> yeah, they, they're the, the same company that makes the Hadestown mics and they're they're just so cool and they're really amazing quality. And I've used them on live gigs. I've used them for recording and, um, or use it, not them, but yeah, I, I'm a big fan of it. I just feel so cool with it, you know, I'm like. <laughs> yeah, it looks just so cool. I think I've seen it on like your TikToks and stuff. And it's just like, I mean, I would probably, if I were to get a microphone, I think that's one, that would be a great one. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I have no complaints. I love it. It's, it's a really awesome, awesome piece of machinery. So. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Julie, for joining us today. Thank you to everyone who will be listening to this awesome episode with Julie Banco. Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Z Podway. Remember to check out Julie on Instagram at J-U-J-U-J-U-L-I-E-B-E-E -E -E, and us on Instagram at Z Broadway. See you next time.